Fox Valley Voice. Welcome to episode five of the Fox River Arts Podcast. My name is Jaime Gutierrez. Thank you so much for joining us again. Hopefully you have listened to some or all of our previous episodes talking about the Fox River Arts Ramble, which is a self-guided tour between Elgin and Aurora. And if you choose to go on this self-guided tour, you will visit the studios and organizations that are creating art all over our community. And this is free to attend. So if you haven't listened to our previous episodes, go back and listen because you will hear the voices of some of the folks that are participating in the ramble. And as I mentioned, the northern edge of the coverage area of the ramble is Elgin, a city that I am not that familiar with. Um, My family lives in North Aurora and we've kind of drawn this invisible line on the north side of St. Charles when it comes to going out to restaurants and performances. And I think that I need to extend north a bit. So that's why when I was contacted by three organizations in Elgin, I was actually pretty excited because it finally gave me an excuse to drive the 37 minutes to Elgin. Now, to some that might sound like a long time, but it's nothing compared to going to Chicago, and people do that all the time. Hey, let's go to a concert downtown. Okay, sure. Well, you're going to spend an hour on the road, then you're going to spend another 20 minutes trying to find parking, and when you finally do find parking, you're going to pay 50 bucks. Then you're going to pay another $10 for a drink minimum. Um, So when... You put all that out there. Maybe hanging out in Elgin isn't such a hassle after all. So one morning in mid-March, I scheduled three interviews. One with the good folks at Elgin Academy. Another to talk about the Elgin Youth Symphony Orchestra. But first, I headed straight to City Hall in downtown Elgin to talk with Amanda Harris. My name is Amanda Harris. I am the cultural arts manager for the city of Elgin, and I uh, am the managing director for the Elgin Fringe Festival. Um, You and I are acquainted. We've known each other for a while now. Why don't we begin by um, you telling us how you got started in the arts? Sure. Uh, I took a class in high school, a theater class that up until that point I had decided I wanted to be an astronaut. Um, I took a theater class and that really ruined everything. <laughs> and got, I went to college, got a degree in theater with a minor in history and was finding myself traveling to the Chicagoland area a lot for contract work, stage managing and that type of thing. Um, where were you at that time? Uh, in Tennessee, that's where I'm from. Yeah, so uh, school in Murfreesboro. Yeah, traveling up here a lot. Uh, and about the time that we were looking to make a move, uh, friends of mine, Aaron Rayberg and Tanertz, and asked me to come help do it with them. Uh, it's a gallery space here in downtown. 
And uh, so yeah, we moved here and I did that and was working for them the whole time I've lived here basically. And at about a year after we moved here, the position of the Elgin Art Showcase coordinator became available. The Elgin Art Showcase is a performance venue in the professional building here in downtown. It's a part-time position, so I went ahead and applied for that and did some interviewing and got that. It's been three and a half years ago now. Uh, since that time, the position with the city has expanded to encompass lots of different programs like the Elgin Fringe Festival and the Elgin Literary Festival and a whole giant public art initiative. So that's what I do these days. So you've gone from astronaut <laughs> to city employee and next probably mayor, right? Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> Never. <laughs> uh-uh. Yeah, it's been a weird kind of thing, but I love it. I love it's lots of different components that keeps my days interesting. Do you feel like you have to have a bit of an open mind to end up where you are today? Because it seems like you just illustrated for us kind of an interesting path that you've taken. Oh, for sure. Uh, I learned very early on, especially if you're interested in the arts, that more often than not, you have to say yes and then pretend like you know what you're doing and then go home and frantically Google and figure it out. Um, and that also means taking a chance, too. You know, uh, if you don't trust people a little bit, then you're never going to progress. And that's something that I feel like we have, as a city, become really good at. So, yeah, saying yes, figuring it out, and hoping for the best. <laughs> How many years were you the director at Side Street? I was one of the directors there for five and a half years or so. I just recently stepped away um, as, a, as a boss position. It's still where my heart lives. But now that this position with the city is full-time and I have a little one at home, I don't have the, the time to dedicate there. But yeah, five and a half years. You not only were one of the directors, but also did some art pieces, some projects there as well. Mm-hmm. Tell us maybe one of your highlights about one of your works of art. So uh, a lot of what we did over there was producing work, but one piece that I was really excited about and challenged with uh, was called Unfinished Business, where I lived in the gallery for a week and could not leave until I finished this project that I had successfully put off for many, many, many years. <laughs> and it was sort of a gauntlet thrown by Erin. She said, you know, you have to you have to do this at some point. And I said, yeah, well, the timing and this, that, and the other. And I had been really good at putting it off. Well, she said, okay, well, what if you have to stay there until you finish it? I said, well, crap, that's a really great idea. So I moved into the gallery. I had a tent, and I lived there, and I showered there, and I ate there, and I did not leave there for that entire week. And it was very challenging, but by the end, I had a finished product, a finished book, a cookbook. It was a compilation of uh, recipes for my grandma. So yeah, I clocked in at about almost 200 pages. It was a lot. That seems rather extreme, but... <laughs> Also, I commend you for your courage uh, and willingness to do something like that. What about recently? I know that you say you have a little one now and you've got a full-time position here with the city of Elgin. Does that leave any time for you to do any creating? <laughs> what a good question. Um, some. 
So I still have my heart, I call them heart projects, where I get to produce a lot of work, which is really important to me. But there's not a lot of creativity in that, in, in, in the way that you, you need as that catharsis. Um, so I am currently working on a piece that deals with when you stop being a child and when you become a grown-up and what it is that makes you do that. And it's a performance art piece, and it's going to involve a lot of balloons. That will debut as part of the Going Dutch Festival that happens here in Elgin in June. Tell me about the Elgin Fringe Festival. Oh, that's another heart project. So I started with the Elgin Fringe Festival about five minutes after I moved here. Uh, uh, Sean Hargaden, he's a local producer. He, he runs Janus Theatre Company, uh, approached Side Street and Aaron and said, you know, we, I want to do a fringe here. Um, and having done many fringes, we were immediately on board. Uh, so Fringe is traditionally a group of artists who come together to produce art and found venues. So it's non-traditional things. It's it's not your your Tennessee Williams at the Paramount, right? It's it's your weird performance stuff um, that's going to happen at a cafe or a bar, and all the shows are really short. You know, usually sixty minutes or less, and they are accessible ticket prices as well. Our Fringe, the ticket price maximum is ten dollars. And so we started in 2014. This will be our sixth year doing it, which is nonsense. And uh, so far, our applications just closed, and we have more than double what we had last year. So we have about 40 people on the wait list from all over the country, which is incredible. Sounds like you are becoming one of the premier fringe festivals in the area. I hope so. <laughs> um, you know, the Chicago Fringe just recently closed its doors, and so we were a little concerned about that because we scheduled ours right next to Chicago. So for those artists who are touring, they could do Indie, and they could do Chicago, and they could do Elgin, and do sort of a mini kind of regional tour. So we were concerned that that would, would hurt us, um, and it and it hasn't. You know, we love the Chicago Fringe. We love the people running it. It just, it was not their, it was not their time. You know, they, they sort of ran out of steam. So... Yeah, we have um, an interesting reputation in that we are a festival that is run by artists, and that is not often the case. So because of that perspective, we, when we think about how we're doing and why we're doing the things that we're doing, we think about it from both the audience and the artist's perspective, and that has really proved to be a large asset, and I think is one of the biggest draws that we have because those artists now know that not only are they going to have the support of the festival, but that the Elgin and the Fox Valley people are willing to spend five bucks and come take a chance on their weird art that they might then find a new friend or find a new type of art that they hadn't been introduced to before. And the artists get to know each other and collaborate and kind of cheer each other on as well, right? Oh, yes. The artists are extremely supportive. Um, that's one of the most beautiful things about Fringes, I think. Uh, you, you as an artist at our Fringe, anyway, you can go see as many shows as you want for free. So you always have that like that plant in the audience who's going to laugh at your weird joke, even if the audience doesn't get it, because they're also an artist and they know what it's like. And they, yeah, they absolutely, they make friends. And now we have artists from all over the country who are collaborating with one another, and they met here. And it's the same for the audience members, too. We have a 100% billeting rate, so 
local folks open their homes to these out-of-town artists so they don't have that out-of-pocket cost of getting a hotel room. And so now we have these like little mini families <laughs> that are formed where the artist doesn't even reach out to the fringe anymore. They just call up the Baumeisters and say, hey, I'm coming into town. Can I hang out with you again? And they say, yeah, great. And then they're making art together. And it, it's really self-fulfilling positivity. United in weirdness. Totally. <laughs> totally. How about some of the exciting things that you're working on here now at your position with the city of Elgin? So two years ago now, we spent a lot of time writing the public art plan. Um, that's something that the Elgin Cultural Arts Commission determined a need for in an effort to get more public art here. And in, in my research on how to do that, um, same thing. Yeah, I can figure that out. Go home and frantically Google. I have uh, found that most places who have a lot of public art and who have funding for the arts have this sort of framework in place. Um, and that's something that we did not have. We had a lot of pieces of it. We just didn't have it formalized. So I spent about a year researching it. I called about 170 other communities and had a lot of really great conversations and did a lot of really great research on other communities' public art plans. And we came up with this product, and it was approved by city council in 2017, and we immediately got some new pieces of art, and I'm really excited about it. So we have a new works program, which brings two new pieces of art each year. We have two new programs that just rolled out this January. One is the Neighborhood Public Art Grant, and that is funding for neighborhood organizations to get a sculpture in their area. So they have a voice in their community and then the support financially for that. And the one that I'm secretly most excited about is the utility box wrapping, uh, where artists from anywhere in the world can go onto the website and submit their art, and the commission will select pieces of art and have it um, vinyl printed and then heat wrapped onto utility boxes, and it lasts for seven to ten years. And one thing that's really important to me and the community is that all of these artists are paid for their time and their work. So for each of these projects, those artists do receive honorariums or stipends, which is really great. Let's talk about the upcoming Fox River Arts Ramble, Saturday, April 13th, Sunday, April 14th. What's going on around here? So much. Um, <laughs> So this is the second year of the Fox River Arts Ramble, and we really wanted Elgin to ramp up its presence a lot. And so the Elgin Cultural Arts Commission said, okay, let's reach out to these organizations and say, hey, if, if you don't have a brick-and-mortar place, what brick-and-mortar place can we put you in? Um, because that's something that Elgin has a plethora of is performance groups, but most of them don't have locations. And that makes it a little challenging. So we have the unique setup of like um, the Elgin Youth Symphony Orchestra is going to be, I believe, at the fire station, the historic fire station. So that's so weird and perfectly Elgin, you know, like the, the historic fire station has art on its walls too. And there's a history and there's a, there's an art to that. And you're also going to have this youth symphony group there, which is kind of fun. So we have tons of that going on. We have, I know, at least two galleries that are going to be open and they're happy to be welcoming to these to these folks who are on the ramble. Uh, we are creating a public art map for all of our new pieces. Everything is walkable in downtown, uh, so folks will have an opportunity to pick that up. And then we're also partnering with the Downtown Neighborhood Association to create itineraries for both Saturday and Sunday. So they'll know what the, the beer specials are at Elgin Public House and what to grab over at Dog's Paw um, as part of part of the trip. 
on a personal note for me, you know, I live in North Aurora and I'm not as familiar with Elgin. It's a big town. It's a city. And there's a lot going on here. What can you tell us that will help to get us to move north every once in a while? There is always something going on in Elgin. If it's a Friday night, if it's a Tuesday night, it does not matter. There is something going on here. And it's not just that there's something going on. It's something that is happening here, specifically in our downtown, that is accessible. You don't have to pay $40 to come in and and look at the art. Most of the stuff here is, is really reasonable. So if you have a family of four, come up, check it out. Take a risk with your $5 suggested donation and see what there is. And then when you're done, you can hit the public house, which is always having specials. You can go for a walk along the river walk and see the public art, and that's free. You know, there's there's a lot of effort that goes into making art and the downtown accessible for the public. You don't have to be from here to love here. And you can walk around and and happen upon weird stuff all the time. You know, we have buskers on the weekends who are out playing drums in the street. You don't have to pay for that. It just sort of happens and you happen to be walking around, which is really, really fun. So there's always something going on. There's always something weird. And we want people to take the chance and lean into the weirdness with us. (laughs) (laughs) How's the parking? Parking is plentiful and free. And there is also a brand new mural in our center parking deck, which is beautiful and has tons and tons of eyeballs. So I encourage people to park over there and and walk around and and see what you can see. P.S. Lots of parking, all of it free. Where can people go to find more information on the internet? If you want to find out about my programs and the things that the city is doing, go to cityofelgin.org backslash cultural arts. If you want to find out what's happening in downtown as far as events and things like that, check out the uh, exploreelginarea.com. They have a calendar there that is comprehensive, to say the least. (laughs) Amanda, thank you so much for your time, and um, we'll see you at the Ramble. Sounds good. Can't wait. After my conversation with Amanda, I decided to walk the few blocks to my next appointment, which was at a coffee shop called Cafe Revive. Cafe Revive, one of my favorite coffee shops in downtown Elgin. I am Carrie Christensen and the Director of Development for Elgin Youth Symphony Orchestra, and we are chatting today to talk about the Fox Valley Arts Ramble, which we are participating in on April 13th. Let me start by asking you how you got involved in the arts. Let's see. This goes back probably five years or so. I was actually transitioning careers. I was in accounting for 11 years. It was no longer my thing to do. (laughs) And I started to volunteer and just get really involved in Elgin. And Elgin has an amazing art scene. And just through all the volunteering, I kind of found my niche and... A year ago, February, EYSO hired me, and it's been perfect. (laughs) Now, you say that you are the director of development, which Mm -hmm. means you are partially in charge of raising funds for the organization. Is that correct? Yes, it is. really long, but it's director of development and community engagement. So that's where this part comes in. (laughs) (laughs) So engaging and fundraising, yes. So let's talk about the orchestra in general, 
as if I am not familiar with it, because honestly, I'm not. So part of the reason why I'm here is to learn a bit more about your organization. So um, what's the scoop? Well, we have been around since 1976, and it started off as a very small string orchestra, and today it has grown to, let's see, we have 338 students, and we are fourth grade through high school. We have five orchestras. We have two percussion ensembles, a brass choir, a booming uh, chamber music institute, which the Chamber Music Institute is something that our orchestra students can do in addition to their orchestra program. And this season, we have 133 students participating in that. It's 27 chamber ensembles, so that ranges anywhere from, say, three to five students. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Our artistic director, he's amazing. All of our conductors are amazing. (laughs) All right, so shout out to the artistic director. What's his name? (laughs) Randall Swigum. All right, keep up the good work, Randall. <laughs> Where are all of these students coming from? Uh, 70 communities we are up to. Yes, they are coming everywhere from Wisconsin, Chicago, Naperville, Hampshire. Uh, I would say our concentration is probably Elgin, St. Charles, Geneva, Schaumburg, Batavia area. But we have kids that come from all of the other areas and everywhere in between. <laughs> What is the, the skill level in terms of, you know, if I'm a parent and I've got a child who's interested in music, is this something where they learn or do they have to have like a minimum skill level in order to start getting involved with the orchestra? Yes. Well, our, our beginning string level orchestra, usually, so that's fourth grade and typically a student has been playing with their instrument for about two years before they come to us. We're not here to necessarily teach them how to play, but how to refine and dig deeper into music. What kind of a curriculum is it? How often are they meeting up and, and, and going through their, their paces? Well, we are very fortunate because we are an in-residence ensemble at Elgin Community College. So we take up a large part of their space every Sunday. Afternoon through evening, all of our orchestras are there rehearsing. And then we also have coaching sessions for those that are in the chamber music program. And as I said, that's every Sunday. We have three full concert days every season. And by that, I mean when we have our concert day, we have three separate concerts so that we can present all of our orchestras. Have you yourself learned anything about music? Do you play an instrument at all? I love that question. I've always, always loved music. It has been a huge part of my life. I never actually learned how to play anything. However, I have always loved the piano, and I think working here has partially inspired me to take that step, so I did start piano lessons this summer. (laughs) Excellent. So you're learning by osmosis, right? And an app. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's fantastic apps you can download. I don't really have time for a private instructor, so I just I use the app. I set it on my keyboard, and it works great. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about what the symphony orchestra has in store for the Fox River Arts Ramble that's coming up on April 13th. You guys are doing the Saturday only? Only the Saturday, yes. Right. Correct. So what do you got going on? Oh, this is going to be super fun. So we have collaborated with the Elgin History Museum 
and an organization called Quinlan and Fabish. They are a um, music purchase and leasing company. So they come out with their staff and they have, let's see, the last time we did this was for Winter Wonderland and downtown Elgin. And we had a selection of string, brass, and woodwinds. And absolutely anyone that wants to try their hand at music, child, adult, anyone, just come out. We have, we're going to have um, our student musicians there to help assist, but if you just want to know what it feels like to pick up a cello, come out and do that. Or if your child is interested and they're not sure, they can just try them all out. It's a super fun afternoon of just being able to experience music. How about a bassoon? Let's see. I'm trying to think if we had a bassoon. We may have. I feel like we had a French horn last time. I know we had a trumpet. <laughs> I'm thinking a bassoon or some kind of like a vibraphone or a xylophone, <laughs> something like that. Uh, I don't think about any of those. Um, I got to try a cello out and that felt awesome and also made me realize and respect our kids because I'm like, this is really hard. <laughs> so wonderful. And that's at the Elgin History Museum? Yes, it is. So at this point, you're probably wanting more information about the Elgin Youth Symphony Orchestra and their instrument petting zoo during the ramble. Well, you will be able to find out about both in greater detail this week. I will have it posted at EYSO.org. My third and final stop of the morning was at Elgin Academy, where I was scheduled to speak with two of their staff members. The first one was an instructor who walked into the room and immediately notified me that she was really bad at interviews and this was probably going to be a terrible experience. So I decided to start off with an easy question. What's your name and what do you do? I am Erin Van Horn and I am the upper school art teacher at Elgin Academy. And what does that entail? Um, I'm teaching all or art courses for every student that's in high school. So currently we are teaching, um, we have our Introduction to Fine Arts, which is kind of like an overview of all the genres of art. And then we go into Drawing 1 and Drawing 2, Painting 1, Painting 2. We also have AP. And next year we'll be offering ceramics as well. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you first got involved with the arts. Um, I've actually been involved with the arts my entire life. Um, my parents, I think, saw when I was young that I was really into drawing and just creating. So they always put me in art classes outside of school. So I kind of followed in that vein all the way through, even though in high school I only took one art course and didn't do anything else with it. But I still had the intention of studying arts in college, which I did. Um, I was a studio art major at the University of Iowa. And then from there, I studied um, secondary visual arts education at DePaul, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. All right. So you're just covering the whole Midwest yeah. with your... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and before coming here, I lived in Nebraska for five years, and I taught at another independent school, um, teaching upper school arts there as well. So yes, we've we've been around the yeah. Midwest. <laughs> Do you ever go to either the, of the coasts, West Coast, East Coast? I lived in Philadelphia briefly after I graduated from my undergrad. All right. Well, that counts, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> How did you find yourself here at the Elgin Academy? When we moved back from Nebraska, uh, we originally lived in Chicago, moved to Nebraska for my husband's job. Um, and then when we were done with Omaha and moving back here, 
when we were looking in the area that we were living in, I was looking for independent schools because I had such a wonderful experience with my previous school in Nebraska that I wanted that same kind of feeling. And so I kind of sought out Elgin Academy immediately because it was closest to my home and it really was so similar to the school that I was at. Um, They didn't have an opening at the time, but a year later, um, the the teacher who was here um, for 38 years, I believe, who was wonderful, um, he ended up retiring. So I applied the day that it was put on the website. Hmm. And here we are. And And how long ago was that? Um, This is my first year here. Whoa. Mm -hmm. How's it going so far? It's great. I love it. No, I mean, I when people, sometimes they go to work, they talk about how stressed they are. But when I come to work here, I feel it's like almost like a spa experience for me. I'm like in my zone. I It's like my stresses fall away because I just, I, I love the people I work with. I love the students I work with. And I just love the autonomy that's given to me by my administration. And you're not just saying all of this because the rest of the school is going to be listening, right? I'm not just saying that. <laughs> As I said in the beginning, I am terrible at being interviewed and I'm surprised that it's coming out so fluidly. <laughs> it's all you. It's nothing to do with me. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. What about, um, so personally, artwork for you, do you have a specialty, a medium that you like to focus on for, for your personal work? So for my undergraduate work, um, drawing was my major. I took every drawing class at the university, and I took it because I was good at it, but I didn't take it because I loved it at the time. But now I really enjoy teaching the basics and the techniques of learning how to draw. It's something that I really, really love now. So that's one of my focuses. But my real passion is ceramics. And that's why I'm so happy that next year we will be implementing a new ceramics program. I've kind of started that program this year. I had um, the artist, the Chicago artist Polly Yates in this year, and we did a workshop. So she's a ceramist, and she came in and she did a whole hand-building workshop with the students. And I've also worked with IFA classes in working on the wheel and hand-building. So you're going to get the whole thing running next year, kilns and all that? Yes. we There's actually a kiln here, and we have a few wheels, and there's a whole um, studio that's downstairs in our other building that we're using fully for ceramics. Tell me a little bit about what the Elgin Academy has in store for the Fox River Arts Ramble. Well, I've kind of been um, hoarding all of the artwork since the beginning of the year. Nothing has gone home. So all the artworks that we've been working on um, through IFA, through drawing, drawing two, painting one, painting two, and AP, I'm going to have everything up from all of my 9 through 12 classes. What kind of highlights can you give us in terms of um, what we can get people excited for? I have a lot of value work for my drawing students, um, and it's not just like technical, you know, like drawing scales. Like we really bumped it up, and we worked with cubism, and we abstracted things um, using very traditional techniques, but bringing it into a modern spin. Um, my painting students, they always go like out of the box, and they're always painting different narratives that are of interest to them. So I think that that is great too. But then we also have a lot of great technical still life paintings that I think are great to be showcased. So we have that to look forward to. Real quick before I let you go, talk to me about the the arts in general here in and around Elgin. So I w- didn't really know much about Elgin as an area until I started working here, but I think that it's fabulous. When I go to the downtown area, area the architecture is amazing. I don't know. I just feel like it's like I don't know, a a revived space. I feel like it's like buzzing 
Um, I really love the art lofts there, and I love that there's so much artwork in all the coffee shops and the restaurants. I just feel like it has a wonderful artistic vibe in the city. Um, and at Elgin Academy itself, I just feel like it's a wonderful place for artists to be because the students can work on their passions, and it's such small class sizes that I can lead them very easily, and I have the time to do that as well. And they just have so many options and opportunities. Well, thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes, and um, I think you did great. Oh, thank you. I was really nervous. <laughs> You're a pro. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I mentioned that I was scheduled to speak with two staff members from Elgin Academy. As it turns out, Erin had a young friend with her who also had something to say. My name is Scarlett. Scarlett, how old are you? Three. Three, and you just um, you just ate a chocolate. How was it? <laughs> I threw a chocolate to you. Are you sharing with me? This is just an empty wrapper. <laughs> Did you think you were going to try to fool me? Yes. (laughs) All right, well, I'll have to find my own chocolate, I guess. (laughs) Disappointed as I may have been in my lack of chocolatey treats, there was still one more person I needed to talk with. I'm Benita Goist. I'm the Community Outreach Coordinator for Elgin Academy, and this is what I do. I talk about Elgin Academy to the community. How long have you been with the Academy? So I came in two capacities. In 2010, my daughter started here as a student, so I was a parent. And then I joined the staff in 2016 because my daughter was graduating and I refused to leave. (laughs) So I've been here since 2010, pretty much. You refused to leave or they refused to allow you to leave? Mm, I'd love to think that was it, but yeah, I wouldn't go. (laughs) So for those of us who are not as familiar with the Academy, Mm -hmm. can you give us a little background? Sure. So we just celebrated our 180th birthday. Um, We were founded in 1839 right here in this spot. We've never moved. We're, you know, we like to stay where we're planted. Um, And we have been a co-educational and non-religious independent school since the start, which back in 1839 was a pretty rare thing. And now 180 years later, we have um, preschool through 12th grade. So we pretty much cover the gamut. And um, we offer an interesting um, environment for kids that is very, it's independent in nature, so we're not affiliated with a public school or anything, but we offer a college prep and liberal arts experience, which for some kids is very unique, that they have the opportunities for art and theater and all that, while they're still, we're very strong in academics and and definitely focus on ridding out a well-rounded student. Where do you see your students coming from? We come from all over. Um, I believe 35 communities we draw from, Um, certainly Elgin, but all over the place. Um, when my daughter was in school, we were from Batavia. So as far, um, would that be east as Batavia? And we go as far west as Hampshire and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Our students come from all over the place and um, are really looking for a smaller experience. Our class sizes max out at 15. Wow. And sometimes when you get into upper school classes, like um, the upper level calculus classes, there may be four or five kids. Mm-hmm. So what Aaron was talking about is that small personal approach where the teachers really know our students. I always tell kids when they come here, you cannot hide. Your teachers will know you, and that's a good thing. Yeah. So, And they, they come around to that. They realize it's a yeah, good thing. Yeah, you're not just a number here at right. Elgin Academy. Right. Everybody knows who you are. 
You mentioned that your daughter attended this school. When did she graduate? She graduated in 2017. Okay. Mom has to brag. Oh, top of the <laughs> class. Okay. She progressed, I'm assuming? Yep. Where's she, where's she at? She's at Dickinson College in Pennsylvania. Loves it. She's a sophomore. Okay. And next year she'll be headed to Germany for a year for her study abroad. So, And that's something that Elgin Academy gave her the confidence to do, mm-hmm. is to really stretch and, and go beyond her comfort zone and, you know, leave the country for a year. I mean, at that age, I would never have done that. So, What does she study? History and German. Okay. Well, that seems like a good place for her. Then. Yep. Yep. <laughs> You'd hate for her to go to, you know, France or something, right? Well, I mean, nothing against the French. Nothing against the French, but (laughs) German is not their top language, so. (laughs) Um, So tell me something that uh, might be surprising to me to learn about Elgin Academy, besides the fact that it's 180 years old right right off the bat. yeah, That's pretty cool, though. We are... Very diverse. And I think people think, oh, it's an elite academy. So you you picture in your mind what our students are, and it's just not true. We have students who excel at theater and science and sports and whatnot. And it's just fun. This is one of the few schools where we just had a scholastic bowl competition. And the guys, I believe it was the basketball team, before they went to their basketball game, sat in on the scholastic bowl and were cheering on the kids. You know, a lot of times at schools, it's the athletes and the uh, Scholastic Bowl kids or the theater kids. Here it's everybody. Everybody does everything. Um, my daughter was on Scholastic Bowl and she was in theater and she was on the math team and, you know, kids get involved in everything. So I think what's really great about this school is you can fit in because there's a spot for everybody. It sounds like an amazing atmosphere that you are providing for these students. And if people want to learn more about the Academy, where should they go? So we have a great website that gives a lot of information about our programs. There's videos on there. You can kind of see what our campus looks like. So that's elginacademy.org. You can call us here in the admissions office at 847-695-0303, and you can talk to me. So, yeah, that's probably your two basic ways to go or stop in. We do tours every Tuesday and you can just stop in and see the campus. Right now we're on spring break, so it's a little quiet, but otherwise it's usually a hopping community. One more thing I wanted to add that's a little bit different is because we're preschool through 12th grade, 12th graders interact with preschoolers, vice versa. At homecoming, everybody participates. It's such a fun thing because usually homecoming is for high schoolers, but here it's preschool through 12th grade and kids get to experience. And we have a big brother, big sister program where the older kids are matched with the younger kids. And they form bonds that are incredible. They're with the same kid until they graduate. Wow. So it's really cool. Yeah, and they see them in the halls and they say, hey, you know, and what, what, what little kid wouldn't want a 16-year-old acknowledging their existence? So, right. Yeah. Especially if it's an older brother or sister type right. and they're not beating on you. Exactly. <laughs> you clearly had older brothers or sisters, right? Well, I am the older oh, brother. Oh, well, wow. There you go. I was a younger, so. Uh, we know. Don't hold it against me. I won't. <laughs> All right, Bonita, thank you so much You're for welcome. spending some time with me. Can I add one more thing? Um, you already added one I'm more thing. Sorry, this is another one more thing. Two more things. Erin um, talked about the upper school. We're also going to have lower school kids represented. So lower and middle school kids will also have artwork. And um, both Erin and um, Elizabeth, our other, our lower school, middle school teacher, have done amazing things with getting these kids really creative and whatnot. So I'm excited to show that off to people who come to visit.
Thank you, Benita Goist and Aaron Van Horn of the Elgin Academy. Thank you, Carrie Christensen from the Elgin Youth Symphony Orchestra. And thank you, Amanda Harris from the city of Elgin for talking to me about all of your wonderful organizations who are participating in the Fox Valley Arts Ramble taking place this weekend, Saturday, April 13, Sunday, April 14. Find out more information at foxriverarts.com. I have so enjoyed bringing you all of these conversations in the lead up and If you are on the ramble this weekend and you see a goofy-looking guy with a microphone running towards you, don't be afraid. Just tell him about all the wonderful art that you are seeing up and down the Fox River on the Fox River Arts Ramble. And of course, thank you to Ryan Carney, who is the very fine gentleman who composed and performed our theme music. You can find out more about Ryan at whoisryancarney.com. If you enjoyed these conversations with local people, you might enjoy some of our other shows, so check out foxvalleyvoice.com, where you will find shows such as Away from the Chair by Tyler Anderson, who is one of the owners of Beardsguard Barbers in Batavia. You'll find Rivertown Life, hosted by Bree Hayes, Siren Sound Cafe, hosted by Chef Quinby Schuyler. And you'll find the Fox Valley Voice flagship podcast, hosted by yours truly. Keep your eye on this space, because I hope to bring you more conversations about arts and artists in the Fox River Valley throughout the year. I hope to talk with you soon. Life is full of ouchies. I'm just going to tell you that right now. (laughs) Just make sure you have plenty of colorful band-aids.